opened the door to the most powerful room in housing, built for mortgage executives, real estate leaders, and the rising stars that drive innovation and progress. The gathering will feature over 45 powerful speakers on stage in Scottsdale, Arizona from April 21st to 24th. Learn more and register now at housingwirethegathering.com. Everybody, this is James Kleiman, the Managing Editor at Housing Wire, and we're doing a special edition of the Housing Wire Daily Podcast. I've got a special guest with me. She is a top producing agent in the Denver, Colorado area, and she's got a pretty unique story on how she's built her business, and so I wanted to share a conversation with all of you. So please welcome Lauren Dempsey. Lauren, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. So Lauren, as I said, you have kind of a unique background. And and one thing I love about real estate is people come from so many different walks of life. I know a guy who's a a pretty solid agent in Tennessee and used to be a garbage man. And he'd meet people on his route and he'd see, you know, yard signs. He eventually becomes a a pretty successful real estate agent in Tennessee. And, And there are so many people like this because I think it's like the most entrepreneurial American profession there is. And so maybe you could start off by giving us a little bit of background on how you got into real estate and and when you got in. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question that'll illuminate our conversation because my background really helps inform how I run my business today. So I originally grew up in New Jersey, actually. And as a kid, my dad always talked about the importance of buying real estate as soon as possible. And when I graduated from the United States Naval Academy, I moved out to San Diego. And one of the first things that I did was buy a condo. I used my VA loan. I closed on December 31st, 2008, so right in the height of the housing crash. And I bought knowing that real estate was long-term and that I could afford it. And I felt confident and comfortable with my job and my paycheck to be able to continue to weather the economic turmoil that was going on. So fast forward, I really loved the experience, but I was in the Navy on ships, driving warships, uh, doing PR and communications at the Pentagon, leading uh, teams on ships, and really doing a lot of high-level crisis communication, communication strategy at the Pentagon and advising some of the nation's most senior military and elected leaders within the military. So really high level experience at a young age that really set me up for success, helped me understand how to think differently, think strategically. And that has been really successful for me as I've built my real estate business. So got off active duty from the Navy at the end of 2016, was finishing my master's degree, kind of dabbling, seeing what civilian life was like since I had not been a civilian since I was 18 years old. And I eventually got a job and just realized that cubicle life was not for me. I really am more of an entrepreneur. And I reflected back on that experience of buying my first condo when I was 22 and really realized that real estate was where I wanted to be. So I ended up getting my license in the middle of 2019. Um, was helping another agent as I was kind of learning a little bit about the industry. But ultimately, when I, start, I changed brokerages in the end of 2019 and my business really took off, I ended up doing 40 deals my first full year in real estate in 2020. And I've consistently done anywhere from 15 to 20 plus million in sales ever since I started in real estate. One, that's awesome. Great, great work. <laughs> <laughs> but two, you know, the, the one the one criticism that I often hear from people in the industry is if you're an agent just starting out and you don't have an already built-in network or you don't have family money, you don't have um, you know, a list of prospects that you can, you know, like really just key in on immediately, it's a big struggle. And who has, you know, a hundred thousand dollars 
already built up and is able to do it. You've taken kind of a different approach because I don't think you really had a big network in Colorado when you set up, right? I mean, so how did you build that business and survive those first couple of years? Because most, most wash out. Yeah. I mean, I've never been on a team before too. So I think that's important to understand. I've been a solo agent building my own business. When I started, I really took a strategic approach. I uh, identified kind of who my target audience is, who I most resonate with, recognizing that I wasn't going to be the right agent for everyone. And I doubled down on that strategy. So I am more of an inch wide, mile deep type of thinker and business owner. So I had three different target audiences that I focused on. They were people who wanted to live in the town that I lived in, either veterans or active duty service members or women homebuyers. I just felt like I resonated with those three categories the most. And when I look at back at all of my closings in 2020, every single closing fit into one of those three buckets. I did not have a huge sphere when I started in real estate. I didn't want to put myself out there. I like kind of being in the background. Um, and so it was certainly a hard, but I worked every single day and I was very thoughtful in what I did. And there were things that I could control. And that was understanding how to write strong contracts, understanding the market and understanding how to communicate effectively with my clients. So by focusing on those three things and those on top of that, honing in on those three target audiences, I grew a really big business very quickly. And you're able to do it organically, which I think is really important to note here because so many of the agents that we talked to, they got their start, you know, buying leads off Zillow or working as an assistant on a deal. And, and you know, you, you did a little bit of that in the beginning, um, but it's really hard to break away from that because there, there's only a certain lifespan on the deal, right? Like you can't just string three together. Like sometimes you have a bad month, right? Sometimes the deal falls through. You just don't, you know, end up closing on that lead. You've taken kind of a different approach and I think a pretty unique approach to building a really strong lead generating business. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, I mean, I have dabbled in Zillow. I did when I first, you know, my, after my first year in real estate, I, I spent a little bit of money on Zillow, but eventually it doesn't return anymore. Right. And you are chasing leads. And I realized that that was not the type of business that I wanted to focus on. Instead, I wanted to attract. And all the leaders that I had spoken with had told me about the importance of building a sphere-based business. So once I could get people into my sphere, I kept and kept them and hold on to them tight and take care of them and nurture them in order to get those referrals and repeat clients. So really, I think one of the strengths that I do have is turning strangers into sphere and sphere into repeat referral-based clients as well. So it's definitely been a learning curve. That's one of the things I love about real estate is I wake up every single day and and it's something different. There's new challenges, new problems to solve, new opportunities, and it's ever evolving. So that for someone like me, it's really critical to not be bored or stagnant. Yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the great things about real estate. There's a new challenge every single day. Like no day is ever exactly the same, right? So I, I think what you're also doing with LinkedIn is especially notable. Can we talk a little bit about that? I mean, you started a couple of years ago, right? Just regularly posting. Link, LinkedIn is not a platform for agents, you know, like it's Instagram, right? And and I think a lot of people associate it with kind of the glitz, the glam, but LinkedIn is where the professionals are, right? Yeah, no, it's uh, very interesting. So I've taken coaching programs where they tell you to be on Instagram or Facebook or 
Um, and they just are not platforms that necessarily resonate with who I am or how I live my personal life. So it always was a struggle. And what I've learned over my experience in being in the business now for a little over four and a half years is that what I do has to be 100% authentic to who I am. And I am a professional first and foremost when I operate within the real estate industry. And that's where I wanted to focus my communications focusing on where the professionals live and work and play in the social media perspective. So LinkedIn was a natural choice for me as I decided to dive in. But the why of why I chose LinkedIn and when I started really had to do with a lot of market influences. And what I mean by that is that I was really proud of the 100% sphere and referral-based business that I had built in a very short period of time. But once the market started shifting, I started, kept getting leads, but they weren't now leads, right? They were, maybe I'll move, maybe I'm interested when the time's right. They weren't the have-tos. And I was starting to spin my wheels and spend a lot of my time on people who weren't ready to transact. And I really had to take a step back and recognize that I, where do I find the people who are ready to make a move in the market today, no matter where the interest rates are. The other phase was that I was starting to have the same conversations over and over again. I was seeing how negative and misleading headlines were starting to impact the consumer. They had the same fears, same questions, same hesitations. And really, there was a lot of trauma that was coming up from 2008 into today's market. And that was making people hesitate from getting into the market. And these are people that I think could have really... Real estate could have transformed their lives had they taken the leap forward and not been placed with so much fear and anxiety about what they were undertaking as a result of what they were reading in their social media feeds. So I really felt like I needed to find a platform to help educate and inform and influence the network around me about what I'm actually seeing on the ground. So that's really where about a little over a year ago, I decided to make a commitment to post every single day on LinkedIn and really kind of focus on that. I didn't know what the results were going to be, but I knew that my mission really was to inform those around me and within my network, both online and in person, what I was actually seeing in spite of high interest rates and where opportunities and clients were actually winning within this challenging market, but then also influence my network about what real estate done right looks like. I'm very big on professionalism, a superior client experience, and truly providing advice and insights to guide and create informed decisions for our clients. So that's where I felt like I had the best opportunity and platform to have true conversations and the results from my LinkedIn engagement over the past year have truly been incredible and business changing. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows, and they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. You know, metrics are so important in real estate um, and, and just being consistent, right? Like, I, I wish I had your discipline that I posted every day. I just, you know, there's some days I get to it. I have uh, <laughs> I have some inspiration and other days just, yeah, I don't know. Didn't have much much to offer. So just never happened. What what kind of results are we talking about? Like what what sort of did it lead to sales? Did it result in prospecting opportunities, co-broking? Like what what do you got? Yeah. So 
I was recently asked to put together a class just on my LinkedIn strategy, and it was a great opportunity for me to evaluate what the success was. So I started this year not knowing what was going to happen and just really trying to educate and inform um, the public about what being a realtor looks like and what to expect. The results have been honestly overwhelming and eye-opening. So I've gained about 4,000 followers. I've had 600,000 plus impressions of my posts, um, thousands of likes and comments on my communications. And I have been followed by really influential people within the industry. You know, we are talking today as a result of LinkedIn engagement. So I think just the access to high level people and media has been incredible uh, on Instagram or even TikTok, which is a platform I don't get on because of national security issues considering my background. So, um, you know, this was a really great opportunity to just have informed conversations and higher thought level and really to educate. So just from like kind of the intangible aspect is that when I go places, some of the first things that people tell me is, oh, I see you on LinkedIn. I see you on LinkedIn. I went to my 15-year Naval Academy reunion in October, and classmates who I didn't even really know when I was at school came up to me, and the first thing they would say is that they liked my LinkedIn or they had seen me on LinkedIn. So just from staying top of mind, it's been incredible. But as I look to what the actual ROI has been, I would say that I spend anywhere three to five hours a week on LinkedIn. I write a post every single day. I try to comment and connect with people throughout my time on the platform. But I have closed $130,000 of GCI directly attributable attributable to LinkedIn, and I've built a pipeline of 150000 GCI just within 12 months using LinkedIn. That's really impressive. That's that's got to be that's got to be in the top one percent from LinkedIn leads, right? I mean, because people don't think of it as, as sort of a source that leads to deal making, right? It's it's maybe the next opportunity for you to get at a different brokerage or something, or you know, a, you know, some, something else, some, some networking function. But it's not seen as the place where the consumers are ready to transact. Have you have you seen any common threads where certain types of customers? view you on LinkedIn and, and deem you credible and then decide, you know what, maybe I will buy the house this year. Maybe that's a financial goal. Like maybe could you share a little bit more detail on that? Yeah. So I think at a very basic level, the perspective to keep in mind is that people on Instagram have dreams and people on LinkedIn have jobs. And so if I want to find people who have the ability to afford to buy or sell or transact within this challenging market, then I have to go where the people are that have the ability to do that. So LinkedIn just in and of itself is a great opportunity to connect with people who may be more open to buying and selling in high interest rate environments. Not only that, like I think it's really created a brand. So a brand as a thought leader, a brand as someone who is an expert within the market and who really understands the ground floor of what's going on in with, within the market. You mentioned earlier that you don't know what to write. And uh, sometimes when you go on LinkedIn, sometimes I don't know what to write and it can be challenging. But what I think I've learned from my time writing for this entire year 
is that as an agent, we really are on the front lines of the economy. We are interacting with the primary driver of the U.S. economy, which is the U.S. consumer. And so we understand their hopes, their fears, their dreams, their wants, more so than maybe the data people reading the numbers really can understand the story behind those numbers. So I really kind of picked up on the pulse of the market. I can understand when it's shifting before you can actually see it in the data. And so it's really made me more of an even better strategic advisor than I was before. So it's developed this new skill set of mine that I think is invaluable as I work to advise my clients about the realities of the market and where the market is likely heading based off of what I'm seeing, what my colleagues are seeing, and just kind of the pulse of the consumer too. As far as kind of results, I have had people who've told me that they've decided to buy or sell as a result of just the commentary that I've put out there. People not necessarily within Denver, but people that I've known throughout my career, they've reached out and just thanked me for the insight and advice. They've made moves sooner as a result of my recommendations that I put out there. And that's the best thing that I can ask for. Even if they're not transacting with me, they are making moves within the market. I think that real estate is such a critical aspect of someone's portfolio. And it really is a social mobility function for many Americans. So we really have to take this very seriously and because it can transform lives. I've seen it. My colleagues have seen it. It's a really critical piece. And that's why I got there in there in the first place, because I wanted to see more people take advantage of the opportunities that were present, even in challenging markets. Besides LinkedIn, are you doing any other platforms right now? Because the name of the game right now is, is leads, right? I mean, there aren't many out there. We have something like, what, how many people have mortgage rates under 4%, you know? There's, there's just not a lot of movement in the market, right? There's not a lot of inventory coming on. Are you looking at any other platforms besides LinkedIn to try to get those leads? Yeah, no, I definitely am in 2024. I think one piece of it, just kind of wrap up the LinkedIn conversation too, is that when I look at my time investment on LinkedIn, the takeaway is that I must spend more time. So I, for every hour that I work on LinkedIn, I've generated $625 worth of business that has closed. So uh, when you look at it from a closed and pipeline perspective, it gets to $14.95 an hour that I generate just by operating on LinkedIn. So I'm going to dive into LinkedIn even more in 2024. And- That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think it's also... When you look at like you're you're at like beyond corporate lawyer. uh, Well, I think it's also just important to recognize where your time is being spent so you can have the highest ROI too. And there is just incredible opportunity there. And I want to see more agents on LinkedIn. I want to have more thoughtful conversations. I want to know what's going on in other parts of the country, because I think that only makes us better as an industry and as agents and better advisors. So I, as a result of that class that I mentioned that I created, Um, just a couple of weeks ago, the response was truly overwhelming that I'm creating a course for Q1 to just help educate other agents across the country that are interested of how to leverage LinkedIn successfully. Um, I would love if anyone's interested in learning more just to reach out to me on LinkedIn, Lauren Dempsey, or just on my website, laurendempsey.com. So just wanted to share that because I think the higher level conversation that we have on LinkedIn is really critical for the success of our industry right now, especially in the face of lawsuits where our value is constantly being questioned by the consumers. I think we all know that we deliver a lot of value to consumers, but we need to be better about telling that story of the work that we actually do to help Americans achieve the American dream. 
So kind of just wrapping that piece up, I think when I look at other lead funnels that I've created this year, I've had some success in other areas as well. So I've built out a farm. Um, and what that means is that I, in within my specific neighborhood, I am mailing 550 homes to just educate them on the market, taking a lot of the content that I create on LinkedIn and then putting it into written marketing materials. From that, I've had four closings within my farm um, with it since May. So that's a really fast return on investment just on time. So that just goes to show how you can use what you create on LinkedIn into other platforms to create new forms of business as well. And then as a result of just trying to focus on more listings in 2023, one of my marketing videos was actually caught the eye of a TV producer. And I was asked to do a weekly TV show within Denver that has created anywhere from one to four leads that I receive every TV show. So it's really been a transformational year in 2023. Not, um, It's been challenging. It's been hard. It's been very difficult. But I could not be more grateful for the opportunities that a more slower market, not a whack-a-mole market of the pandemic era, really has provided to create a resilient business. Right. You, you don't do this kind of thing in 2021, right? Because it's it's just reacting to buyers and sellers and just the, the pandemonium of the pandemic environment that was created. I, I think for some people who were able to to plan out the next year, and you're obviously a very analytical person, you know, this is a great year for strategy, right? For building the foundation of a resilient business that can survive any market conditions. So yeah, hats, hats off to you in, in that respect. I, I do want to touch on something you've already mentioned. You brought up the idea of the value proposition, the conversations that agents have with consumers. We know in the wake of Sitzer Burnett, the commission case out in Missouri, there are a lot of conversations now are being had online, door to door, you know, and, and, and just real estate agents struggling to articulate, why am I worth the commission rate? And so I wanted to pick your brain a little bit on this one. You're talking clients every day. You're, you're going to do, you know, millions in business this year, right? In terms of volume, you're on the buy side, you're on the sell side. What kinds of conversations are you having with people? Is this something that, that, you know, people read about in the New York times and they decide, Oh, we don't want to pay, you know, the, the buyer broker because they're the enemy in the transaction or are, are they thinking about it at all? Like where, where is the, the average consumer in all this? Um, uh, so I learned about the commission lawsuit when I was getting licensed in 2019, and it's something that's been top of mind for me ever since then. I've had lots of conversations with industry leaders since then to ask them how they're preparing, and I was frankly dismissed most of the time that I asked the questions and people weren't paying attention to what was going on. So 2023 really has been the opportunity to build that resilient business that we've talked about. And as a result, I've been making some changes earlier this year before the lawsuits even went to trial. Um, within my business. So just really making sure that I'm communicating my value, understanding where I, I get paid within the transaction, ensuring I get paid. So changing how I write contracts as well, but having just upfront conversations with clients. Last month, as a result of all the media frenzy, I did send out an email to my 1100 person plus database, just explaining what was going on, what the potential was looking like. And honestly, no one responded. No one really interacted with it. And, you know, that was just kind of eye-opening to me. When I do have new buyers, I do explain to them, I do address it up front and forward. I don't want them to think that I'm hiding under the rug or anything like that. I ask them what they know about the commission lawsuits, what they've been paying attention to. 
some are paying attention. Some have no idea what I'm talking about. But I think it's important to just at least talk about it up front before we start showing homes so they understand. And they also understand that there may be a chance that they have to pay me in the future. And I don't want that to be a conversation that's happening right when they're writing an offer. That's something that a consumer deserves to know well before any offers are written. And I think you have to have those awkward conversations in the beginning, right? And if you don't, that can sink a deal months later, right? And you don't want to spend all that time, all that ever, because you don't get paid if they don't close, right? So that's that's a, a lose-lose situation for everybody involved. But, but I, I do want to kind of hear a little bit more about your thoughts on commission lawsuits. There are, we counted them the other day, there are at least 16 of them right now that have been filed since the verdict in late October, early November. And so at this rate, we expect there probably will be more than 50 of them by the end of 2024. And, and for the most part, you know, the copycat cases, they're naming the NAR as defendants, right? They're naming the brokerages, but they're starting in some cases to go after individual agents. They're going after managing brokers. They're going after the associations. What happens next? I mean, how, how are you feeling about kind of the potential implications of these cases? Yeah, um, I think that I was prepared for it probably better than most because I knew it was coming, right? It's something I've been tracking for many years. I am disappointed. What I would say is as an industry all overall, I feel like there's been a lack of leadership throughout this entire lawsuit. Many industry leaders had no idea what was going on. They weren't tracking it. They were dismissing it. They were telling telling me personally that NAR had a really powerful lobby and that there's no way that this would go through. So I think that there was quite a bit of hubris within the industry that enabled this to happen. I can't get into the merits of whether or not this is antitrust, like that is well beyond my pay grade here, Uh, but I can see both sides of it. And I think one of the challenges that on paper, it's very clear, but on practice, it's very challenging. Like, How do we in a very high price, lack of affordable markets, how do buyers pay for representation? I think buyers deserve representation and it's something that they should want to have because this is the biggest financial transaction that they're mostly going going to make. I say that you can buy a lemon car and survive, but to buy a lemon house, you may not survive. And you could have financial ramifications that go out through your entire life. So it really is critical to have that representation. I think that, you know, As an industry, we are kind of at a fork in the road. We can either continue forward with rose-colored glasses and assume that the appeals are going to be successful and it's business as usual, or we could take a hard look and understand what has led us to where we are today, pay attention to the narrative that we are seeing out there in the public, understand the complaints of the consumers, and really evaluate how we as an industry are practicing. I do believe that we need to up our level of professionalism. We need to increase our standards. We must have accountability. And this is because this is a very serious transaction. And I think it has not been taken as seriously as it should. And as a result, consumers are complaining because they don't understand the value that agents are delivering because there is no standards or a lack of accountability as a result of poor behaviors throughout the transaction. So it's unsurprising to me that there's a lot of pushback, but I think we as an industry, instead of kind of pointing fingers and combating the Department of Justice or the lawyers, we should be taking a harder look at our practices and become better. This is an opportunity as an industry to become better and to deliver even more value to consumers. And I hope we don't lose that opportunity. I hope you're right. I do want to ask you one last question. It's a bit of a curveball, 
but you mentioned in the beginning you bought a condo in San Diego quite a few years ago. I want to know, how did you fare in that deal? You bought it at not the best time in the market, right? What happened? Well, um, I was under contract in other properties, and unfortunately, the agent at the time did not advise me correctly, and I ended up terminating that relationship with her. So I bought a condo conversion in uh, El Cajon, uh, just outside of San Diego. I got a great deal. I got it for $200,000. I was 22 years old. I used my VA loan. I think I paid... I got a check back at closing, as most veterans typically do, and it was a great experience. I actually ended up selling it when I was stationed in Singapore, so I was overseas, and um, I made quite a bit of profit as a result, and real estate enabled me to get out of the Navy and figure out what I wanted to do post-Navy life. So uh, kind of coming full circle, it really is uh it was a great purchase. And now that I'm traveling to San Diego, I'm actually going to go check it out. But <laughs> I bought it for $200,000 on December 31st, 2008. And I think it's worth somewhere around $450,000 right now. Yeah, I was going to say, it's it's impossible to find a condo in, in San Diego at that price. You're, you're probably worth more than four fifty, dollars actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, it's a great story. And, and Lauren, thank you so much for, for being here and sharing uh, your knowledge, your expertise and insights on the market and lead generation and, and the commission case. Everyone, I highly recommend you follow Lauren on LinkedIn. That's Lauren Dempsey, L-A-U-R-Y-N Dempsey. And uh, Lauren, thanks so much for being with me and uh, I hope you have a great holidays. Thank you, you too. Thanks for the opportunity. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.